lots of times we get in our head that the law is not good. It is good. It gives us side rails, I would argue. Uh, keeps us from going off the, the deep end. Why obey the Ten Commandments? It, we're called to be a holy nation. We're called, we're called out of slavery. It's the way to find true freedom. Now, most of us in this old country, we think freedom is being able to do what you want, when you want, how I want. Well, that's not really true. All that does is lead you to slavery again. It's the way to have a free life, to obey the ten. And we need to remember, I think one of the things that he said is, is really worth remembering is that salvation is not, a re, is not a reward for obedience. Obedience is the result of salvation. Obedience is the result of salvation. So today we're going to take a, a, a little look here at the first commandment. Exodus 20, verse 3. Well, actually, if you, depending upon the way some folks look at it, uh, Exodus 23 and Exodus 24 are seen sometimes as one commandment. But we're going to separate them, okay? So Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, when we first look at this commandment, it's obvious what the main intent of God. He should be first. The most important relationship in life. Later, Jesus put it this way. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, God, must be first. Must be first. Now, there is an exclusiveness to this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There is no denying that there are gods out there. No denying. No denying. Family relationships, parents, spouse, children, siblings can take precedence in our lives. All kinds of desires can become our God. I think of the conversation that Jesus had with the rich man who was unwilling to give up his most prized possession, his wealth, to follow Jesus. I think of the religious leaders of Jesus' day and ours who used their position for their own purposes. And one of the things that we kind of have to ask ourselves is, what is a God? What is a God? It's any entity, a person, an animal, an object, an organization, or even an idea that human beings worship or give allegiance. Generally, a god is given power over nature or human fortunes. And uh, another question we kind of have to ask ourselves is, what is power? What is power? Power is the capacity to influence and control the people around us. Power is very seductive. That's why we must be very careful with the people that we choose as leaders, be they political, be they our teachers in schools, be they the people that stand behind pulpits like this. 
any and part of the problem I believe that we have in this country is that over the past 70 years, for the most part, we have not chosen the wisest and the best of leaders that we could have. So how would you define this one God? You shall have no other gods beside me. How would you define God? How would you, if someone asked you, who is your God? How would you define it? I came up with this. First off, don't call him God. That's not his name. Okay, that's who he is. That's not his name. His name is capital Y, capital H, capital W, capital H. That's his name. Now, the Hebrews didn't even hardly pronounce it, and the Germans, when they first encountered this word, they called him Yahweh. Yahweh. That's his name. His name is not God. That's who he is. So how would you define him? He's the creator, sustainer, ruler of the universe. He is the source of all moral authority. He is the supreme being. Supreme being. In addition, there is another thought that comes front and center in this commandment, and that's the little word called you. You shall have no other gods before you. What does that mean? Who is he talking to? Well, most of the time when you and I think about that, we think, well, he's talking to me. Well, he is talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to individuals, but you also can be collectives. So he's not only talking to individuals, he's talking to organizations, he's talking to churches, he's talking to businesses, he's talking to politicians and governments, he's talking to all the many entities and social connections that we have. He's talking to families. Anytime there are groups of two or more, nuclear families, clans, communities, nations. And we're talking about relationships here. It applies to the individual, yes. It applies to you and me and to all the different relationships that individuals can have. It also applies to whole communities. We play a larger part. Uh, we play part in a larger community, the nuclear family, clans of relatives, the different communities that we are a part of, local, regional, state, and nation. And to a certain degree and to the degree that I am responsible for the choices that my nation takes, I will be held accountable before God for what my nation does, what my family does what my community does, what my school does, I will be held accountable. You shall have no other gods before me. All of that we can get out of this commandment. But I've come to see that there are three other less obvious truths that we can glean from this commandment. And those are this. Yahweh is unique. 
there is no such thing as an atheist. People say they're atheists. There's no such thing as an atheist. We were put together to believe something. And we will believe something. And third, it defines the individual's place. It defines the individual's place. First, Yahweh is unique. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God talking to us through the prophet Isaiah. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He's not like us. And thank God for that. Yahweh is not like anything else in the whole universe. Over the centuries, great thinkers have discerned the characteristics of Yahweh. He's sovereign. He's unchanging. He's holy. He's all-powerful. He is faithful. He is good. He is patient. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is loving. He is wrathful. Yes, He gets bent out of shape. And when He gets bent out of shape, He does respond. He is infinite. He is just. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all at the same time. He's right here, and He's on the other side of the world, all at the same time. He's perfect. He's self-existent. He doesn't need anything to exist. What do you and I need to exist? (gasps) Lots of things we need to exist. He needs nothing. He's self-existent. He's all-knowing. And of course, He is love. One of the things that we need to understand is that for us to grow as believers, our view of God must grow as well. God must become bigger and bigger in our eyes. And to do that, believers need to study the characteristics of Yahweh, who He is, and what He does because of who He is. As we come to know more and more about the characteristics of Yahweh, our view of this God grows as well. First, you shall have no gods before me tells me that Yahweh is unique. Second, the commandment tells us that there is no such thing as an atheist. We all got gods. Joshua 24, 15 If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, as we all know from the passage of Scripture, we will serve the Lord. We're all going to serve someone or something. That's part of how you and I have been put together. Who's your God? And I think that's one of the great questions that we need to ask ourselves from time to time. Who is your God? And the only way to really discern who your God is is by looking at two things in your life. The first is, what do you do? And the second is, where do you spend your money? Especially in this society. My my treasurer, the treasurer of the church, always talks about about, it, about buying a cup of coffee each week over at the... Uh, over at, uh, place where you buy $8 cups of coffee. Hmm? Yeah, okay. 
If you didn't do that, you gave that money to the church every week or to the kingdom and to God's work, that would add up. Where do we spend our money? Where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our energy? Where do we spend our thinking? Lots of that points us to who our God really is. Oh, we might say, Yahweh is my God. But the proof of the pudding is where I spend my time, where I spend my resources. I think we should ask that question continually. And to consider what each of us does and thinks and believes in the light of, you shall have no gods before me. Third, this commandment defines the individual's place. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Soul is all that makes up Fagalia. Personality, physical body, everything. Mind, mind, everything. And one of the things that Exodus 23 does, along with passages like Genesis 2-7, it defines our place. As a matter of fact, it defines everything's place. I am created. Yahweh is creator. I am dependent. Yahweh is self-sufficient. I am mortal. Yahweh is immortal. Out of defining our place, the relationship between Yahweh and the individual is defined. Yahweh is God. I am not. Because He is God and I am not, He commands, I obey. What He says, I believe. And not only that, I choose to make decisions on what this God says to me. I think, the, I think of the Roman centurion who came to Jesus asking that Jesus heal the faithful servant of the centurion. You remember that, that incident in Jesus' life? Jesus, the Bible tells us, he gets up and he starts to, to go to the centurion's home. But the centurion essentially just says to, to Jesus, just say the word. You don't need, I don't deserve for you to come into my house, he says. All you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, the, the key here is not the healing, the key here is the, the equating faith with authority. Faith. And authority. Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, In all of Israel, I have not found anyone with such faith. Because the centurion goes on to tell Jesus, You see, I understand what authority is because when I tell Chris to go get the uh, offering plate, I don't even have to look at it. 
I know He's going to do it. And when I ask someone else to pray, I don't have to deal with it because I know it's going to happen. I understand what authority is. Jesus equates faith and authority. Do you understand what authority is? Do you understand what authority is when it relates to the place in which you exist? Your place in the scheme of things. Most of us don't. Most of us don't. Most of us don't. We in the 21st century believe believers have a hard time believing things we cannot see, taste, touch, smell. Or here, if it cannot be measured, it is not real. So if your dog goes from being fat to healthy because he eats a certain dog food, the commercial says science did that. We hear all the time, science says. Science is the only truth because science is measurable and repeatable. That's what we're taught in schools and everywhere else in society. But that's not what the Bible says. At all. At all. If I have the smallest of faith, I can tell the mountain to move. And it moves. If I know that Jesus is going back to the Father. He said, He said, I'm going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, you ought to be happy about it because I'm going to give you the authority, there's that word again, to do things even greater than what I did. What He do? Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Fed the poor. Authority. Authority. How are believers to do that? I believe one key is for believers to understand authority in the kingdom of God. What is my place? And what role comes along with my place? And what are my responsibilities with my place? What are the privileges? Paul tells us that we are co-laborers with God. I work with God to bring about His new heaven and new earth. We can't do any of that unless we understand our place. Where we are. And that comes back to that first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you know your place? Do you understand the authority that your place has? Jesus, or the Bible, says, you means the individual and the community. Yahweh is unique. There is no such thing as an atheist. We all believe in something. What do you believe in? Who is your God? And it defines our place. I think there's lots for us to learn 
from this simple little sentence. You shall have no gods besides. Is he your God? Is he truly your God? Are you studying and learning about him? Growing in who he is? Learning what he has done and continues to do? He is unique. Do you understand your place in the kingdom of God? I think those are things you and I need to think about, especially these days. Especially these days. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for this commandment and all that it says to us. We know, Lord, that you are God and that you are unique in all the universe. We know, O Lord, that we are going to believe something. We're going to believe in something. And we also, Lord, understand that you have given us a place. Help us, O Lord, to find our place to understand our place, that we might be found faithful in all that we do and say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.